Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, happy Monday. Welcome to the April edition of the construction uh, webinar coming to you live here from the studios at Lois Law Firm. Uh, for those of you joining me for the very first time, my name is Tashia Rasul. I'm a partner here at Lois Law Firm. I oversee the construction defense group where the attorneys and paralegals are specialized in handling the defense of workers' compensation claims that arise out of construction accidents. That's all we do. Um, we work in concert with General Liability Council also, so we have a little bit of experience in that arena. Um, if you've been joining me for uh, the past couple of years, uh, coming to the webinars every month, thank you for uh, returning. Um, this is a live webinar. Um, at the end, there will be, I'm sorry, that the, the, my slides are a little uh, backward, I think, but I was going to show you the box in the end for uh, entering the questions. Uh, in the end, just on the right-hand side of your screen, it should be a box for questions. Type in your questions, and uh, they will pop up in my end. If I have time, I will answer them. If not, I will send you an email. Um, so what are we going to discuss today? We are going to talk about wrap-up policies. Uh, wrap-up policies is really kind of the bane of our existence when it comes to coverage issues in these construction claims. The grand majority of the clients that we uh, work with are the ones who um, have some sort of a wrap-up program, uh, whether it's an OSIP or a CSIP, I'll go through those with you. Um, to begin with, let's talk about what exactly it means to have a wrap-up policy. It's one policy for a particular location, very distinct boundaries. Um, very, uh, it, it could be for just one location or the owner or the contractor uh, that's in charge of the program could have a policy for multiple locations also. Uh, it covers workers' compensation, general liability, employer liability. Uh, the contractor is enrolled in the, the program. I'll talk a little bit about that, a little more about that later in um, the, the webinar. And it's very site-specific, you know, so it might be for a, partic a particular school. It would be for just one school. It might be for a particular retail or commercial building or any kind of like a train station or... Um, you know, a subway development or anything like that, but it's very, very specific and it covers work accidents that arise out of doing work on that particular uh, site. There are two types of wrap-up policies. The first one is called the OSIP, which means it's Owner Controlled Insurance Program. That is the actual owner of the project, not, um, not an actual contractor, but let's just say, um, a developer, for example, is the one that would be the owner of a project taking out the policy to cover the project. The next is the CSIP. Um, it's a contractor con a contractor controlled insurance policy. This is where a big contractor is hired to take a policy and do the work on the project, and they're the one that's responsible for um, all of the administration and so forth of the policy. The one that we see primarily in um, New York City is the OSIP, but we are seeing more and more CSIPs where the project developers are the ones taking out the insurance policy and controlling the program. This is very different from an operational policy, just in case you're wondering. The operational policy is the one where 
any company that's meeting the requirements to work to do work in New York or any states required to have a workers compensation policy this is the one that they need to actually operate in the state or to do work in the state and that's the operation of policy unless there are exclusions the OSIP or the CSIP would trump in terms of coverage uh, when it comes to accidents that arise on uh, wrap-up covered project. What are the benefits of a wrap-up? So more and more construction companies or more and more uh, project developers um, or owners are choosing to do a wrap-up program when it comes to building or doing major construction, especially in New York City. We have seen the rise in wrap-up programs over the last five to 10 years. And the, the benefits are, are, are real, and we have been seeing the benefits. The clients have been seeing the benefits. The number one benefit in getting a wrap-up program going when it's time to do construction is reduction in insurance costs. And so if you've been watching me for the past couple of years, or if you've been working with me, you know our goal is to, um, in the construction claims, collaborate with the general liability uh, attorneys uh, share information, of course, within um, the applicable uh, restrictions and guidelines, and that in and of itself helps to reduce exposure. And when there is a wrap-up program, it's much easier to share that information, to collaborate on strategy, and to ensure there's not duplicative efforts on the workers' comp side and the general liability side to do the global settlements, which all in turn uh, leads to a reduction in insurance costs. So that really is the primary reason for doing these wrap-up programs. Um, <clears throat> it prevents gaps in coverage because, as you know, there are so many contractors and subcontractors who are going to be working on a project. Being enrolled as a part of the, in, in the wrap-up will ensure that the coverage is consistent through the entire time that the contractor is supposed to be on the job site. We don't have to worry about them and their operational policy. Did they renew? Did they have continuous coverage? Did an accident occur in between coverage? The wrap-up takes care of all of that. Um, efficient claims handling. Uh, so when you have a wrap-up program, the owner or the contractor that's controlling the program will have a very defined uh, roadmap for how claims are supposed to be handled. Who should be notified? Who should be called? When are they being called? When do we bring in um, you know, defense counsel into it? Uh, when is authority for settlement? Uh, when does it have to be elevated to the client? How much authority does the claims handler actually have? They're very, very uh, strict and well-defined um, guidelines in terms of handling the claim. So all of the parties, and it's going to be a lot of parties, know what to do and when to do it. It's also uh, helpful because it can reduce uh, risk through a uniform safety handling program. As you know, the construction uh, sites, they are, you know, in and of themselves dangerous. Um, but not only that, the fact that more and more claimants are filing bogus claims, accidents that didn't even happen, it is crucial to have a safety uh, handling program in place that everyone is aware of. The clients that I work with, they have um, a special team of individuals who handle the safety. There's a protocol. Uh, there are meetings every week with updates on safety issues, what needs to be done, what has been done right, what needs to improve. 
um, the discussions that are being made with the workers every week also, uh, informing them if you sustain an injury or there was an accident, you have to report it to X, Y, and Z person. You have to ensure that the proper documentation are filled out. It is very, very important to have one of this and having the wrap-up program, the coordination of a safety team is helpful in terms of um, ensuring that the job site is as safe as possible. And if, you know, unfortunately an accident occurs, the protocol for reporting the accident is um, something that's also uh, well detailed and there is a roadmap for that also. So who is covered under the wrap-up policy? Enrolled contractors are covered under the wrap-up policy. Uh, you must be enrolled. What, is, what, does, what does this mean? The contractor submit an application to do work on the project. It has to be reviewed and approved by the owner or the contractor. If you're not enrolled in the project, um, you would not be covered by the wrap-up. So we see this often enough that it's, it's, it's actually an issue that we uh, litigate in court when it comes to coverage. A lot of uh, job sites, they exclude things like asbestos removal or the demolition phase and um, things maybe like elevator, elevator repair work or el elevator installation work. There are times when the claimant is there removing asbestos or working in the elevator and they get injured. They sustain um, injuries as a result of an accident. Generally, the wrap-up is being placed in notice first because their attorneys are going to go in there saying, oh, this was a wrap-up program. We need to put that carrier notice. However, after digging into it and seeing that the, uh, the contractor is not enrolled, there would be no coverage. So we'd be pointing our fingers at the operational policy for coverage uh, for, for, for that accident. Um, other uh, circumstances under which uh, a contractor would not be enrolled for a specific wrap-up program, uh, if they're there doing work for under a certain number of hours, a certain number of contract value, other kind of hazardous um, removal or handling aside from asbestos, um, and like I mentioned, uh, demolition is generally not covered in the wrap-up program, so those would never be enrolled in the program. There are other situations also where they wouldn't fit any under any of these exclusions, but they did not go through the enrollment process. So even if they were there to do uh, concrete work or iron work, and that's something that other contractors are there to do and would normally be enrolled, if they don't go through the enrollment process, they would not be covered under the wrap-up uh, program. And this is something that comes up in coverage issues in courts also, where eventually after we produce all the documentation and do test, uh, take testimony, the operational policy would be found liable for any accidents that occur in the job site. Okay, so the, the bulk of our litigation uh, on coverage issues deals with wrap-ups, what's covered, what's not covered, where's the operational policy, um, the confusion is, and we're still educating the board in this issue, we're still educating our adversaries in this issue, uh, we have to understand that the wrap-ups um, cover only a specific project, right? Like I mentioned, it's, it, it has to be a specific location, 
certain boundaries, sometimes even the streets and avenues are um, listed on the actual project. The date of loss is something we have to be careful about also. A lot of times we've seen claims being brought um, on, on a date of loss that's after the conclusion of, of after the policy ends or the work that is actually covered by the wrap-up ends also. And how does this happen? So the wrap-up program would cover work, let's just say, until December of 2022. The claimant is on the project doing some other kind of work, but the accident happened in January. Now, the wrap-up specifically does not cover any work done after December, so the employer's operational policy should be the one liable in that situation. The phase of the project also. As I mentioned, demolition is generally not covered, and a lot of like the punch list, um, the, the, the period where we're doing like the punch list at the end of the, the project, just to do like the walkthroughs and make sure everything's being done or everything was done properly, a lot of times that is not covered by the wrap-up programs. If someone is there to do an inspection to make sure all the windows are installed or all like the, the floorings in properly, that may not be covered by the wrap-up. Um, so that's something to, that's something to uh, keep in mind when we have the policy. Not because it's on the project means that it's going to be covered. We have to look at the specific exclusions, when exactly the accidents happen, what is the date of loss, was the project still going on, was it ended. Keep in mind also, a lot of times there's work being done on the project before the demolition phase, right? And if the policy covers the demolition phase, it may not cover the work that's being done before the demolition phase. So if an accident occurs on the project, your wrap-up uh, policy may very well not cover, and again, it would be the operational policy. Okay, so when we are defending uh, coverage, when we, when we have one of the wrap-ups and we're defending coverage, there are a number of things that we need to know as your defense attorney in order to properly uh, litigate coverage, right? We need what's called the certificate of coverage. This is a document that shows, you know, there was coverage for this particular uh, location, but let's just say the operational carrier was supposed to be covering the workers' compensation uh, any workers' compensation claims. So the certificate of coverage would indicate which insurance uh, carrier is supposed to have produced uh, workers' compensation coverage for the project. We need the policy manual. This is something we really need, especially when we're contesting that um, the kind of work uh, that's being done is not something, um, it's not the type of work that would be covered. So for example, the asbestos removal or other hazardous waste, the policy manual would include this information indicating the kind of work that's not being covered. It would also in, in, in include information regarding things like the enrollment process. So if we're saying that the employer, fair enough, he was there doing work that would have been covered if he did not follow the enrollment process and was not actually enrolled, then he would not be covered. The policy manual will have the, the information regarding the process, and this is something we can present to the judge to show that the employer did not go through that process. Uh, any kind of like a project completion documents, this is important if we're arguing that the date of loss is outside of our coverage period. 
Um, the parameters of the project site, I've seen some really good policies that indicate you know, where exactly the, the project is and the exact parameters. And I've seen some policies that are a little more vague, so we do need uh, information regarding where, where exactly, where did the project start? Give me the street, right? Give me the avenue. Um, did it cover work that is being done out, outside um, on the adjacent road or street or across the street? Because sometimes that does happen and those are covered under the policy. The scope of work being covered by the policy. Um, it's usually included in there. Sometimes there's a rider inclu included in there. And, you know, we use the list to show the judge, well, look, judge, uh, asbestos removal is not included in here, right? Uh, maybe, maybe carpentry is not included. That's just an example I'm throwing out there. Um, the date, location, and exact activity being carried out at the time of the accident. So the construction sites, they have phases, right? They have the pre-demo, they have a demo, and depending on what's being built, um, th that trade is in there one at a time, one after the other. So if you get a weird situation where, you know, someone in like, like, like a concrete laborer is claiming that he got injured at a time when, I don't know, steel work is being done and we can get proof that no concrete laborers were actually um, or concrete trade was actually in the job site, that raises eyebrows and then we look into it more to see what's really going on. It might be a red flag that it is um, a bogus claim that an accident did not occur, um, especially if the employer has no record of it. So it, 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 it's, it's crucial to keep in mind the exact phase that the project was in when the accident occurred and compare it to the mechanism of injury that the claimant is um, he, he is alleging. So we also need the actual the actual policy. The oops. So so we actually need the actual policy um, for litigating. But this is something that we always recommend that whenever there is a, a wrapper program involved, for us to get that information from the very beginning. Because even if uh, the employer or I'm sorry the owner or the contractor isn't really contesting coverage I think it's important for your attorneys to review the documents to confirm that there are no coverage issues to confirm that we shouldn't be controverting it just because of the nuances in the terms in the policy and the certificate of coverage they're sometimes not very clear they don't have the accident location we've actually seen errors in the certificate of coverage errors made by the broker where it indicates that there would be coverage for a particular job site and then after litigating the issue or after reviewing the documents litigating the issue it was determined that there was actually no coverage remember the certificate of coverage is not proof of coverage right so we always have to i'd say send those over to your attorney your defense attorney for them to take a look at that the policy manual it's good for your attorneys to always have it it's just really one policy manual for the entire project it's not ongoing, um, it's not a, a continuously uh, new document. The enrollment log, however, is a list of uh, the employers that were enrolled on a particular day or particular week in the project. Our clients have advised us this document is usually a rolling, ever-changing document because uh, new contractors are added ever so, um, ever so often. And then, you know, as the contractors complete their work, they're removed from the enrollment list. 
So this is something we should be requesting. You should be given to your attorneys um, from uh, the very beginning to confirm enrollment if it hasn't been confirmed on your end. Um, but it's something your attorney can take a look at and be like, oh, wait, we don't see this employer here in the date of loss. Are you sure they're accepting coverage for this particular claim? Okay. Now, the wrap-up programs are, while they are really good for reducing exposure, you know, uniform claims handling, uniform safety handling, uh, it, could be, it could be complicated. There could be issues arising if there's not a good program in place. So all the clients I work with have a really good program in place, and it takes a lot of time to actually put the program together. It's not just waking up one day and saying, all right, we're going to, you know, do this construction of um, a 50-story building. We'll just get a policy. There's actually um, a very detailed program that's put together by all of the parties involved. Um, all of the clients that I've worked with, they usually have a kickoff meeting in the beginning of the project for everyone to meet each other, ask questions know uh, who is who and what needs to be done what, uh, when so that everyone's on the same page. Now, there's usually a broker involved. The broker is the one who uh, helps the owner or the contractor to secure the policy, help negotiate the rates and the terms of the policy. And then there is the insurance carrier, a third-party administrator. For the wrap-up programs, they're the ones that are usually uh, doing all of the work in terms of administering the claims, especially since for the wrap-ups, there's um, a high deductible. So it's the client's money, meaning it's the owner or the, the, the general contractor's money before it goes to the excess carrier and then they come into play. Um, there's the insured, so that would be the uh, employer that is actually insured, the enrolled contractor. Um, there's a general contractor, and then, like I said, there are the enrolled contractors. So it's a lot of parties that are involved in the wrap-up program. And if we don't know who's who, it can get complicated. And at the time of a catastrophic accident, you know, not knowing where to report things or when to have that first call or who to have that first call with, it could be detrimental to the investigation of the claim. Things could be delayed and... Um, you know, it, it, we could be left with a case that because it was not handled properly from the very beginning, it results in very high exposure. So it gets complicated with all of these parties, but once you have a program where everything's clear cut, clear cut, everyone has a role and responsibility, and this is shared across the board, and we know what to do when an accident occurs, we know when to call in defense counsel, we know when to call the owner. Um, it's going to run very, very smoothly. So one of the so one of the things I wanted to uh, point out here today is that in in terms of litigation, these cases, um, the unfamiliarity with the wrap-ups, it's um, it's an issue that we see when we're litigating coverage. It's an issue we see with our adversaries. Uh, with with the board, unfor unfortunately, with the board panel, when we file the appeals, we get some decisions back that really don't make sense when it comes to the coverage issues. And we've learned from handling hundreds of these cases is that they don't understand how exactly the wrap-ups work, right? And it leads to the wrong carrier being placed in notice. 
Unfortunately for a lot of my clients, the wrap-up clients, we are being dragged on in coverage issues for close to a year or even more because the judges refuse to release a carrier unless um, the, the, the proper carrier is, is found and liability is tacked on the proper carrier. So, you know, a lot, most of what I see, honestly, is the claimants not doing due diligence on their end. Part of it is, well, they're filing the bogus claims. They don't even know who they were working for or where exactly the accidents happened. They're filing it based on, you know, their friend or their attorney or someone telling them to go file this claim. So when the claim is being indexed by the board, the board oftentimes gets the wrong employer uh, a notice and therefore the wrong insurance carrier a notice. Um, when we get the file, we look at the board coverage search. You can clearly see who the potential carriers are and a date of loss for a particular employer. But then if you don't have the right employer, then additional carriers would be placed in notice because additional employers would be placed in notice. We go back hearing after hearing, request discharge removal, producer policy, all the information we have, and the judges say, nope, not removing anyone until we've taken testimony and coverage has been determined. So it's very frustrating. It is infuriating for me, for my clients, when we are spending money to defend these coverage issues only because the board or the claimant, they're not doing their due diligence. So I can assure you, um, if any of my clients are watching, we are doing our best to ensure that the adversaries and the boards are educated when it comes to coverage, when it, when it comes to you know, um, determining whether an operational or a wrap-up should be liable for a particular claim. Um, so, so this is the complication that we face on the, the, the defense side of things when we're addressing the coverage issue. A lot of times, you know, unfortunately, the, the, the file comes and we're like, oh, this is going to be a simple coverage issue, and then a year later, we're still trying to get out of it when there's clearly no liability. All right, so that's all for today. I hope that was a nice little overview for you on uh, wrap-ups, the OSIPs, CSIPs. You've probably noticed that I interchange uh, OSIPs and wrap-ups a lot, but OSIPs is actually a type of wrap-up. It just so happened that the grand majority of the clients that I deal with are the OSIPs, so it's a term that we use more often than not in our office. So not to confuse you, they're the same thing. Um, if you have any questions, okay, so before I get to the questions, the next webinar is gonna be next month, uh, May 1st. And we're going to talk about preparing for the loss. So our philosophy is defending uh, workers' compensation claims, especially those catastrophic um, construction claims, should start even before the accident occurs. And this ties into the wrap-up program and the uh, roadmap, the guideline that I talk about, the program that I talked about earlier today where we need to know who all the players are, we, know, we need to know who does what. So once all this is done ahead of time, it is in, assess, in essence preparing for the loss. So we'll talk more about that next month. All right, let's see if there are any questions. Okay, I don't see any questions on my end. If you typed one, for some reason it did not show up, please feel free to send me an email or give me a call. I'd love to chat with you and I'll get you the answer you're looking for. All right, thank you for joining me here today. I will see you next month. Warm weather is coming this week, so be sure to enjoy it. I know I'm looking forward to it. All right, take care everyone.